0: Well, it's part two of our series on the book of James. Hopefully, you got a chance to sort of read ahead a little bit, because as I mentioned last week, I believe the book of James is like the most practical book we have in the New Testament. Just so much wisdom there. I mentioned to you that it's sometimes called the, the Proverbs of the New Testament, because there's just these little short phrases that James uses over and over and over again to just sort of help us in our, in our faith. So, Let me just do a little bit of recap from last week. Remember, this is James, not the Apostle James that was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. No, this is James, the half-brother of Jesus. And James didn't become a follower of Jesus until after Jesus' resurrection. And James ends up becoming the head of the church there in Jerusalem. So he's basically the, the pastor of the people there. But as I shared with you at that time about I don't know, 12, 15 years or so after Jesus' resurrection, there's this great persecution that's taking place there in Jerusalem. And many of the, the believers, remember, they're, they're Jewish people, but they become followers of Jesus. They're actually having to flee their homeland there of Jerusalem in order to, to get away from the persecution that's coming upon them. And so James, he, he is the pastor, he loves his people, and he wants to write a letter to them that's going to encourage them in the midst of all this hardship that they're going through. And so last week, he said, look, he said, man, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its works that you may be mature and complete and not lacking for anything. And so he's writing this as this encouragement to consider it pure joy when you face trials and hardships and adversity, in this case, they are facing persecution. I encourage you to do the same thing. No matter what comes your way, it's JT just saying there, God really loves us. God is going to be there for you. And God wants to bring you through that adversity. He wants to get you to a, a place where you're actually not just a better person, but you're actually a better follower of Jesus as well because of the things that you went through. Now, I mentioned to you that James, as he's writing this letter of encouragement to his people, he, he's sort of giving two words at a time. Two, two little words that he combines together. So last week was all about testing and persevering. Today he's going to talk about listening and doing. Listening and doing. You can't just hear God's word. you got to do God's word as well. You have to listen to it, and then you need to obey God's word. Now, I think James and I would have gotten along a lot, uh, not only because he is a pastor, but he just didn't have a tolerance for people that wasn't, like, living out the word of God. And, you know, through the years, as people say, you know, number one, they'll say, will you do counseling with me? And I'm like, I don't even follow my own advice most of the time. But yeah, sure, you know, let's let's do some counseling. But here's the thing, I'm only going to counsel you if you actually do what we're talking about here. And it's not going to be my opinion. I'm just going to share with you what God's word says about the situation, and then you need to do it. See, I... Again, I don't have patience because a lot of people, they just want to sit around, sing kumbaya for a couple hours, right? And I'm like, no! Either we're going to do what God's Word says or we're not. But I've become convinced that there's a lot of people that they want counseling just for the sake of, oh, I'm getting counseling. They want other people to think that they're changing, but they're actually not changing at all. And that's what James is getting frustrated with here. He's like, look. You can't just listen to God's Word. You can't just read God's Word. You actually have to do God's Word. And so as he's writing this and as we continue throughout the rest of the series, there's going to come some times you're going, wow, James being a little harsh here. He, he's being a little, even seems sometimes condescending to the people. But I want you to keep in mind, everything that he writes here is because he loves his people He cares for them. He he wants to have compassion on his people. And so he's he's coming at them sometimes with some very, very blunt truths. He doesn't have time for people to be playing games. Remember, what they're facing there is persecution. Literally, they could die for their faith. And so he's like, look, we don't need this wishy-washy type of faith. We need to be serious about this. And I would say the the same thing, you know, to us. In fact, here's what I would say to us. Is it possible we actually have it too easy as American Christians? I mean, think about it. You had a choice today. Number one, did you even want to show up? You, you have a choice of, are you going to read your Bible? Are you going to pray? Are you going to worship? You have a choice in a lot of things as an American Christian that many people around the world don't have the choice. We talked about this a little bit last week with the, the persecution that over 5,000 people just last year alone died for their Christian faith in other countries around the world. Because to call themselves a follower of Jesus means they're putting their life on the line. We just have it too easy as Americans. We think that the church in, in Christianity and God's Word is like a buffet that I get to pick and choose what I want to obey and what I don't want to obey, what I want to do and what I don't want to do. If you don't like Exponential, you're like, man, there's a hundred other great churches around here. I'll just pick one of those. And that's fine. There are other great churches. But what I'm saying is a lot of people all around the world, oh man, just even to utter that I am a follower of Jesus, they're putting their lives on the line. in James going to write about that he's talking about this we don't have time for this wishy-washy faith we've got to be serious about our faith but I've become completely convinced that most Christians in the U.S. are Christians in name only they call themselves followers of Jesus but they don't actually live out their faith in a very real and practical way i become completely convinced that there is a lot of people that when they gather together at a church service, when they're in their life group, when they're in some sort of Bible study, they're rah, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They love Jesus then. You tune in online and yeah, I love Jesus. Look at me. I'm tuning in to watch a sermon, but then as soon as you get in your car to leave or you Log off, you leave Jesus behind. And again, James is going, man, we don't have time for games. You can't just listen to God's word. You you can't just hear God's word. You can't just read God's word. He's like, you have got to do God's word. You have got to live this out. And so that's what he's going to talk about here today. Again, our our two kids' words are listening and doing. So if you have a Bible, you want to turn to James 119. That's where we're going to start today. Again, James chapter 1, verse 19. Now, as you continue to uh, turn there, let me just go ahead and say this. This is a a topic that he's going to address throughout the rest of the book. And we're going to cover it today. But you've got to really get this one. Out of all the ones that we're going to look at throughout this series, this is the one that you've got to get. Now, as you continue to turn there to James one nineteen, let me ask you: How many of your parents? Let me see. A raise your hands, parents. Those of you online, you can type in the chat that you're a parent. All right, lots of parents around here. Let me ask you a question: Have you ever had a situation where you said to your kid that they needed to do something, you know, do this or do that, and you were like almost one hundred percent convinced? That not only did they hear what you said, because they like nodded their head, or maybe they verbally gave it, "yep." But then later on, they didn't do it. You ever had that situation before? Bill's putting up two hands. <laughs> I don't know if he's testifying or what's up. Well, hallelujah! No, <laughs> you've had that happen, right? Now, second question, as a parent, how did that make you feel? Frustrated? Annoyed? What are you thinking? Didn't you hear me? <laughs> now, how do you think God feels? As our loving heavenly father, he's like, look, I'm giving you some stuff. This is for your Good. And we're like, yeah, Jesus! And then we walk out the door and we forget it. We don't do it. He's like, wait, didn't, didn't you hear that? You can't just listen. You, you, you've got to obey as well. Before we get into what James says, let's look at what Jesus says. He tells a great parable in Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 to 32. We read this, Jesus said, I will tell you a story about a man who had two sons, Then you can tell me what you think. The father went to the older son, and he said, go, work in the vineyard today. His son told him that he would do it, but later he changed his mind. Uh, Did I skip ahead there? Uh, His son told him that he would not do it, but later he changed his mind, and he went. The man then told his younger son, go work in the vineyard. The boy said he would go, but he didn't. Which one of these sons obeyed his father? The older, the chief priests and the leaders answered, and then Jesus told them, you can be sure tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you ever will. Jesus is making a very powerful point here. He's talking to our old friends, the Pharisees, right? He's talking to them he's like, look, the pimps, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the sinners, they're all getting into heaven before you are. Why? Because you say that you're doing God's Word, but you're actually not. You're just listening to it. You're just reading it. You're not actually following through. Let me ask you, out of the two sons in the story, which one do you want to be like? You want to be like the one that actually did what the Father commanded. Think of it this way. Does listening even matter if you never respond? Think about that. Does listening even matter if you don't respond? Or think of it this way, this showing up at church, this tuning in online, does it really, really matter if you never actually apply what it is that you heard? Your daily devotions, does it even matter that you read if you don't actually then apply what it is that you read? Does it matter that you went to a life group if you then don't apply What it is that you heard? I would say no. But my opinion doesn't count for anything, does it? We need to see, well, what does God's word say about this? That's what we're going to look at here. James, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is going to write some words that are going to impact our lives, at least hopefully, if we actually not just listen, but actually obey as well. So James chapter 1, verse 19, here's what James writes. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So he, he says here, my, my dear brothers and sisters, now how many have ever written a letter before? Did you ever write a letter? Have you ever written a letter that you started out, dear fill in the blank? Did you ever do that? Did you ever use that as the greeting, dear so-and-so? And so James is writing this letter, but this is already the third time in only 19 verses that he said, my dear brothers and sisters. And so when James is saying this, he isn't, he isn't writing it as, as just like a greeting. He is literally saying, look, you are my brothers, you are my, my sisters in Christ. Remember, he's the pastor of these people that he's writing to. And so he's emphasizing, look, I love you and I care for you. I want only what's best for you. You are my dear brothers and sisters. So be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. He's going to speak some blunt truths to him throughout the remainder of this entire book of the Bible. But Keep in mind, he wants only what's best for him. So he starts with this reminder, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. We actually did an entire series about just this verse. Couple years ago, about two years ago. It's called My Big Fat Mouth. I think it was Julie's favorite, right? Just because of the theme song from The Bumper, right? Remember that one? My Big Fat Mouth. Remember that? But we all have that big fat mouth sometimes, don't we? Our, our, our words get us into, into trouble. I would encourage you, if, if your words are giving you trouble, go back and, and watch that series online. But the basic gist of it is God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Right? We, we need to be listening far more than what we're talking. But yet our mouths get us in the trouble. Most of the time, anytime we have some sort of relational trouble in our lives, it's not just the words that we've been speaking to people, but even the, the way that we speak those words. And so James is going to actually take a lot of the rest of his letter, not just today, but the rest of the entire letter, to talk about what he would say, controlling the tongue. You've got to learn to control your tongue. So he says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And then he continues on in verse 20, and he says, if you're angry, you cannot do any of the good things that God wants done. And isn't it true that when you're angry, you get emotional, and you start to say things and do things that you didn't really mean to do? We start to act impulsively. And as a result, James says we can't do the good things that God wants us to do. Listen, if you're angry, it's going to be impossible to truly love your neighbor. If you're angry, you can't really honor your mother and your father. If you're angry, you you can't hurt, or uh, yeah, yeah, you can't hurt, you can't help those who are hurting. If you're angry, you you can't help the the, the people that vote differently than you do. If you're angry at them, you can't win them to Jesus. If you're constantly angry, it's impossible to truly live for Jesus if anger is easily stirred up inside of you. So again, James is just getting real here. He's talking about you got to learn how to control your mouth. you got to learn how to control your anger. He continues on then in verse 21. He says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. I love this imagery that he, he uses here that the, the, the word needs to be planted inside of you. What is the, the natural expectation of something that gets planted? That it's going to grow, Right? that it's going to bear some sort of fruit of some sort. And that's what James is talking about here. He's like, man, plant the word of God deeply inside of you. Allow the spirit to change you. Remember what I just said a little bit ago? This isn't James who is writing here. This is James writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so it's the Holy Spirit that is giving him the the words for his people that here's what you need to share with them right now for what they're going through. And so James, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's sharing this. Thus, this is God's word to us. What James is writing, it's God's word. These are spirit-led words. And he's reminding them that, look, the same spirit that lives inside of you is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And so what you're doing is anytime you're in the word of God and you're reading the word of God, You're reading something that the the Spirit inside of you is being reminded of what the Spirit actually wrote. And that's motivating you then that, man, I'm going to start to act upon it. I'm going to start to do things. And when you start to act upon the Word of God then, you know what happens? Fruit in your life starts to come. Paul talks about it. We call it the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul says, against such things, there is no law. It's not about you trying to follow God's word and that, you know, you got to just check off a bunch of things. No, when you get in the word and you allow the word to start to just ruminate inside you and you're meditating on it and it's just now coming out of you, now that fruit of the spirit comes out of you. But you've got to be in the Word and allow the Word to start to change you and transform you. That's why I tell you all the time, every single day you need to be in this book. You need to be reading it. Finding out what is the character of Jesus. What was the conduct of Jesus. And allowing the Spirit then to, to mold you and change you and transform you into the character and conduct of Jesus yourself. Listen, every great man and woman of God would tell you that the the thing that made them a great man or woman of God was because they were devoted to being in the Word. Luke writes about that in Acts chapter 2, in verse 42. He says that the apostles in the, the early church, they were devoted to the teaching. They were devoted. But again, it's not just about hearing it. You've got to put it into practice. Most of you know, I I do some uh, training for churches, and I always have guest speakers on each month that uh, sort of lead, and one of my friends, his name's Alan White, he's living out in Oklahoma now, and, uh, or actually, no, Kansas, Uh, he moves around a lot, Uh, he's in Kansas now, Um, he said something great the other week, and I don't think this was original to him, but I I wrote it down, and I want to share it with you. Here's what he said, I put it on your outline, he said, the people of God filled with the Spirit of God, being led by the Word of God, will produce amazing things. Think about that. The people of God, us, filled with the Spirit of God, being led by the Word of God, will do amazing things. There is power in this Word. James says it's the power to save your soul. It's the power for you to, to make a difference with this one and only life that you've been given. And so James gives the key then. and I keep referencing it already, but let's see what he actually said. Verse 22. He says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Don't just hear it. Do it. I was trying to think how, how could I sort of illustrate it, and this isn't a perfect illustration, but think of it this way. If today I handed you a map, and I said, if you follow all the instructions on this map, at the end of the instructions, you know, you go here, and you turn here, and you go to this place, you do this, make a turn there, you do this, follow that. At the end of that is going to be 100 million dollars. And I gave that map to you and said, it's all yours. You'd be pretty grateful for that, wouldn't you? Oh, my goodness, you're blessing me with this. All i got to do is follow the directions. I've just got to turn by turn. Yep, it's all yours. Gilbert, thank you so much for giving that to me. No problem. I wanted to bless you. And then I ask you, do you have any questions? You're like, nope. No questions. Again, I'm just so thankful that you gave this to me. So you you look down at the map. You're looking at it. And a minute goes by. Then an hour, a day, a couple days, a couple weeks, a couple months, a couple years, a couple decades. And you're still just looking at it. Now, in the meantime, uh, occasionally you stopped and you've called your friends. I'm rich. I am stinking rich, filthy rich. I've been so blessed. Here's the thing. Are you really rich yet or not? No, you've been given the promise of riches, but you haven't acted upon it yet. It's not enough just to be given the map. At some point, you actually got to start taking some next steps in doing what's on the map. Because as long as you just sit there and you keep looking at the map and calling your friends, telling them how rich you are, you're just deceiving yourselves because you haven't actually taken hold of the promise yet. Hopefully you see where I'm going with that, right? Pretty obvious. Pretty obvious. You have been given a map for far greater riches than $100 million. You've been given a map that has great promise at the end. What James is saying is, look, if you just keep looking at it, if you just keep hearing, you know, the, the GPS, turn here, turn there, turn there, but you're not actually doing it. And you haven't received it for yourself. It's not truly yours yet. You're just deceiving yourself. Eventually, you've got to put into practice what it is that you've heard. He continues on then in verses 23 and 24, and he says, For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and then forget what you look like. That sounds kind of odd, but James is basically saying that's exactly what happens when you don't obey. Listen, you can hear all the sermons in the world, go to all the Bible studies in the world, life groups. You can be reading your devotions in the morning, you know, a little devotional booklet, or maybe you actually crack open the Bible or the Bible app and you're reading it there. You can read and you can hear until you're blue in the face, but until you actually start to put it into practice James says you are just deceiving yourselves. And God isn't going to move in your life until you actually start to apply. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 25. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock, rain poured down, rivers flooded, and the winds beat against that house. But it was built on solid rock, and so it did not fall. It's not what you want for your life. That your life is built on the solid rock, the solid foundation that Jesus has left. Because here in the Sermon on the Mount, he he talks about what happens basically when we don't build on the solid rock of him and his word and apply and do things. He's like, man, it's like a house in the sand. If the sand is the foundation, as soon as the wind comes, as soon as the waves come, as soon as the bad weather comes, man, it's just all going to be torn down. From the outside, it looked good. Oh, look at that house. But it was a house of cards. That's what I'm saying to you, you know, that I'm truly convinced that many, many people, their faith is just a house of cards. They say that they're a follower of Jesus, but yet they're not actually obeying what Jesus would say to do, living out his word. James says, man, you're just just fooling yourselves. He continues on then, verse 25. James writes, you must never stop looking at the perfect law that sets you free. God will bless you in everything you do if you listen and obey and don't just hear and forget. Listen and Obey. I love what John Maxwell once said. He said it this way. He said, you show what you know when you act on the fact. You show what you know when you act on the fact. Now, James, he's going to continue talking a a lot about controlling the tongue. In fact, in week four of the series, that's what we'll talk about is, is controlling the tongue. But he does talk a little bit more about it right now, and it's in relation to what we've talked about here. Look at verse 26. It says, if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're just fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. How many of you ever said something that you later regretted, that was foolish? We all do it from time to time. James says, man, you have got to learn how to control that you've got to get that tongue under control. And he's not talking about the occasional slip-up. He's talking about the continued unwillingness um, to control your words. When you're continually speaking words in anger, you got to stop. When you're continually being sarcastic, it's got to stop. When you're continually using words that are tearing people down instead of building people up, That's got to stop. If you're cussing, that needs to stop. Needs to stop. No more. Don't just listen to the word. Obey God's word. He is very, very clear. Those words should not come out of your mouth ever. Ever. Stop it. Learn to control your mouth. Because if you can't control that, James says, your religion is worthless. So cut it out. It's amazing how often, and I'm not offended by it, but it's amazing how many times I hear some of those words come out of some of your mouths. Now I'm not talking to the Capital C Church. I'm talking to Exponential Church. Stop it. Quit it. Cut it out. Your words matter. James then gives the flip side of it. Verse 27. Rel- religion that pleases God the Father must be pure and spotless. You must help needy orphans and widows and not let this world corrupt you. Now basically, he's saying that in the context of this whole thing that we've been talking about with you know controlling the tongue and, and listening and obeying, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Basically, he's saying... You gotta practice what you preach. You gotta practice what you preach. If you truly love Jesus, then take care of those that are less fortunate. Orphans and widows, the homeless. Practice what you preach. And he's saying strive for personal purity in all that you say and all that you do. Again, we can't just be hearers of the word. We've got to be doers of the word as well. What James is writing here isn't rocket science, is it? I mean, so often people go, ah, I don't understand the Bible. It's such a big book. You know, It doesn't make sense. But the, the last couple weeks... These first two weeks of the series, what has he really said that we didn't understand? Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, that's not easy, but we at least understand it, right? Today he says, listen and obey. Now, just hear it, do it. Controlling the tongue. Again, it's not always simple, but I know you know how to control your tongue. I've shared this with you before, because your grandmother's called you. And you could be in the midst of, like, you're ranting and raving and cussing and spitting and hollering and stuff, and then, oh, hi, Grandma. How are you? Fine. Great. So you can control it. So if you're (laughs) controlling it to impress Grandma... Shouldn't you be obeying God, the Father, and trying to impress him, living your life for an audience of one? Now, if it seems like I'm being hard on you today, I am. (laughs) But hopefully you understand it's with the same motivation that James has here as he's writing this letter. I love you guys. I love you online. I want what's best for you. But what's best isn't for you to sit and soak each Sunday morning. It's not just about showing up and checking the box of, yep, went to church this week, and then leaving the parking lot and leaving Jesus behind. Listen and obey. Can we try it just for a week? Just for a week. Maybe for some of you're going I don't know about a week. Could you try it for even the next hour? <laughs> Whatever it is, you know the areas of your life that you're being disobedient in. For the next hour, could you live for Jesus with all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength? Could you do it for at least one hour? JT's in the military and occasionally they ask him, do you want to reenlist? He's like, sometimes, yeah, and then there will eventually become a time I'll go, nope, I'm good. (laughs) What I'm asking you to do is enlist in God's army for the next hour. Truly live for him. Listen and obey for the next hour. And then at the end of the hour, re-enlist. God, I'm in for another hour. You can do an hour. I shared this with you a couple years ago in the Habits series. This isn't about the rest of your life. This is just, can you win today? Can you win today? Don't worry about the past. Don't worry about the future. Can you win today? And then at the end of today, reenlist. Jesus, tomorrow I'm living for you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not only going to listen, but I'm going to obey with everything that I know to do. we do it? Please, somebody say yes. Amen, Amen, right? Let's do this. Because again, as, as Alan said, when the people of God, being led by the Spirit of God, are committed to the Word of God, we can do amazing, amazing things. And that's what I want for us individually and us collectively as well. But it isn't playing Christianity. It isn't playing church. It isn't this wishy-washy faith. It's listening and obeying. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. And there is power in your word. Because there's power that your spirit gives us. And so, Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would tap into your spirit that lives inside it. If we call ourselves a follower of you, if we truly prayed and asked for your forgiveness and your leadership, your spirit lives inside of us. And your spirit wants to be that map for us that leads and guides and directs us into all the things that you would have us to do to the, the great promise, the great promises here and now and the great promise of life eternal. But Lord, help us not to just get excited about the promise and hearing about the promise Help us now to obey. Your spirit's going to give us that power. Your spirit isn't going to control us, though, but your spirit is going to give us that direction that we need, the conviction that we need, the courage that we need. There's going to be times that the, we hear the spirit going, ah, 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 don't do that. And, Lord, in that moment, help us not to just hear the spirit. Help us to obey the spirit's voice then I'm not going to give in to that sin any longer. I'm going to obey. And Lord, when the Spirit directs us to to go and share with our neighbor our faith or to go and to serve the, the poor, the homeless, the orphan, the widow, whoever it may be, when we hear that voice, help us not to just listen but to obey. Lord, when your spirit convicts us about the the words that are about to come out of our mouths, going, oh, no, 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 don't don't say that. Help us in that moment to obey. Lord, your spirit is so powerful in us. Help us to, to tap into that. We can be transformed because of you and your word. But you still give us free will. You still give us free choice. But help us to realize that when we do things our way, a lot of times it leads us off track. So help us to listen to you. In everything that we say and in everything that we do. And Lord, when we we know that when we do that, when we're just... Being obedient to those next steps, all of a sudden, fruit, fruit is going to start to come out of our lives. Love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and even self-control. People are going to look at us and go, something's changed about you. What's different? Help us then in that moment to have the boldness and the courage to say, it's all about Jesus. And his spirit and his word has changed me and transformed me. Lord, I pray in those moments then that others would go, I want that for myself then. Because I'm tired of living life my way. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. I I I want what Jesus offers. And Lord, I pray even in those moments that we would realize that following Jesus isn't all cotton candy and puppy dogs. Sometimes tough things come our way. But help us not to just listen to what we heard last week. Help us to obey, to consider it pure joy whenever we face trials of many kinds, because the testing of our faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so it may be mature and complete, not lacking for anything. Lord, all of us want a mature faith, a faith that's not lacking for anything. And so help us not to just listen, but to obey as well. We pray all these things in Jesus' great and mighty and holy name. Amen.